Fight. All right, guys, welcome to episode five of Movie Fight Podcast. I'm James. Joining me, as always, is Jason. Say hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Ish. Say hey, Ish. <laughs> I'm here. What's up? Hey, and uh, this week we're doing a 21st century horror throwdown. But before we go on, like always, we got to announce the winner of last week's episode, and we've got a we've got a real pickle here. This is the first time in podcast history that Judge Reinhold cannot decide. He says he's evenly split between Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Moulin Rouge. So we've decided that since Jason's movie is not in contention to win this this week's episode, we're going to let him be the tiebreaker. So who do you like better, me or Ish? Oh, well, this was really tough. And I don't like being put in this position. And I feel like it's my wife's fault that, that I'm in this position. But um, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm going to go with Willy Wonka. And it is for the same reason that non, my wife picked, picked that as well. Because of its ability to stand the test of time and my general love and appreciation for Gene Wilder. Okay, so not so, the, and none of the musical it's, aspect I, I, of it. I, so, I, okay, so I, it's one. It's one of those movies that I can watch over and over again. And you know, we we talked about this before. I'm not like a, a huge musical fan. Yeah, you like and so musicals like because, music, and and because this is light on the musical <laughs> end of the spectrum, <laughs> I think it makes it more tolerable for me somehow. So we're saying uh, that Willy Wonka wins the musical fight because it is the least musical. Not, not just that. All right, all right, not right. just that. But because of the, if, I, if I'm weighing them both and I say, which one of these movies do I want to watch again? I'm probably going to pick Willy Wonka. Fair. And that is literally kind of my, my only reasoning behind that. Do I think it is, it's hard for me to, to justify this choice. But I feel like it's hard for me to justify going the other way as well. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. It looked like it was winning anyway, and then somebody else stepped in. And, Judge uh, Reinhold, man. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just yeah, Judge Reinhold. It's, well, you know. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I respect your honesty, and I respect your decision. <laughs> I'll remember this next time it's up to me to well, well, do tiebreakers. You know, the movie that I thought was best out of the three came in last. So I, you know, I don't know why yeah. you guys are trusting my decision here. That's true. Um, That's true. So, all right. So, take, home field take, advantage takes it again, showing the row, showing the flaw in our system. <laughs> yeah. That's why uh, after next week we're doing a new system where uh, Judge Reinhold is actually going to tell us the category, and then we're going to pick. So it's going to be a neutral, neutral fourth party. Judge Reinhold dislikes us all equally, so no favoritism there. But this week, this week we're talking about. Horror movies, 21st century horror movies, picked by Jason. So if history has taught us anything, he will win next week. Ish, unfortunately, you're the winner, so you gotta go first this week, though. So what movie, what movie did you bring? Uh, for the week five, uh, I chose the descent, the seven five spelunking horror creature in the in the mind of me. Um, I'll be I'll be going second. I picked Jordan Peele's Get Out because it's the best modern horror movie made. Jason, who picked the category? What did you pick? Well, and uh, bringing up the rear with the actual best modern horror movie made, uh, I'm going with Hereditary. Hereditary. R.E. Astor's Hereditary. You guys both chose nice, suspenseful thrillers. 
I went with um, traditional horror. So I'm, I'm going to throw this out here for the first time in the podcast. I, if you're if you're listening, and most of these you can listen to, and if you hadn't seen the movies, you can still kind of listen to and have fun. But I do highly recommend if you've not seen Get Out or Hereditary to stop right now, watch those movies, and then come back because it's a uh, they're really they're both of those movies are amazing and they're not what they seem on the surface and you don't want to ruin yourself. You just want to go in blind and have a good time. So if you haven't seen any of those movies, yeah, stop listening to us, go watch them, then come back, but do come I, back. You can I watch s- the descent also, if you'd like, just so you don't, you don't want to leave one out. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I second this recommendation. Uh, I was actually concerned on about like how, I wanted to talk about hereditary during this podcast because I no. didn't want to like, we have, like how, how can I not talk about it in a way that doesn't completely spoil it for people? So yeah, we'll be completely go, so, spoiling so these stop, movies. It's stop, necessary to talk about them. Yeah. Just completely stop listening to this podcast right now and uh, go watch that movie. I, you know, I would like to say while, while we're on this topic, anyone that says, you know, Oh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go watch this movie based on these recommendations or whatever, but you see it come up on um, Amazon or Netflix or whatever service you're using for, you know, whatever the charge is. So if it's like $2.99, $3.99 or whatever, and you don't want to pay that, I highly recommend uh, joining Canopy. Uh, Canopy is a service that's a lot like a Netflix. I think they may even have music. I'm not really sure, but it's it's definitely for movies and all that is required is your library card just your local library card and uh, use that sign up for it put in a name a password and you're good to go and i think you get something like 20 free watches uh every month so that's 20 free films for you and it's just loaded up with films there's tons of stuff on there yeah, I'm a big fan of the library also. I get most of the movies we watch physically from the library. Movie yeah. Fight Podcast brought to you by Canopy. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, that's, Canopy, that's Canopy with a K, by the way. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and there's movies and stuff that we recommend that you've liked or that you've hated, feel free to... Um, we're going to start doing some listener mail in some future episodes. So uh, shoot us an email um, at moviefightpod at gmail.com. Is that it? Yep, moviefightpod at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. So just, shoot us an email. Tell us what you thought about, uh, you know, a movie or how wrong Jason was, Charlie Factory, whatever that <laughs> movie is. It's, I mean, it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. Charlie shoot us an email. Uh, engage with us. We would love to hear hear your guys' thoughts. Unless they're negative. I have a fragile ego. Um, just don't send this. I, I would love to receive some hate mail. Please. Please tell me. You can send you hate, hate mail as long as it's, as, as it's, uh, <laughs> it's addressed to Jason. Yeah, as long as it's addressed to me. And it pertains to my my movie choices. Yeah, and I'll, I'll apologize. I, I don't know how this recording's going to go, but I'm a little sick, a little under the weather. I do not have coronavirus. I just have a uh, a spring cold, as I am a fully vaccinated human being. But uh, so I'm a little stuffy, so apologize. But anyway, let's get down to business, as they say in Mulan. Let's, <laughs> des- let's descend down to business. Yeah, let's descend. <laughs> let's. Let's get this garbage out of the way. <laughs> you guys really thought of that with like that much of it that it was that garbage? Yes. It wasn't scary at all to you guys. No. no. Really? No. I just no. maybe it's just me being like a giant, I guess, sissy when it comes to the horror genre in general. It had oh we'll talk about it after you do your spill, but it had the potential to be a, a scary movie and they went in a different direction. So. In a different direction. Uh, yeah, so 2005 is a descent. This is, like I mentioned in a previous podcast, I think when we were talking about the uh, 
the selections for this week, it was the last horror movie that I saw in theaters. You not a big horror? fan of horror, are you? I'm not. No, I mean, I get nightmares. I see things out of the corner of my eye, like in the shadows. Full on, just not a big nightmare fan at all, or horror fan at all. I don't know what it is. It's always been that way. Just a bit of a scaredy cat. So, saw this movie. Absolutely gave me nightmares back in 2005. So, it's kind of just resonated with me. And do I think overall, <laughs> whether or not your two movies were better? I think they were better films, absolutely. As far as, were they better at the horror aspect? I don't think. You can't say it was straight. You're straight lying. Like I'm you're lying. lying. I can see it. In your eyes right now. I mean, how can you say that with a straight face? Because I, I'm not going to tear down your all's films in my little opening spiel, but it's just, yeah, Get Out was a different kind of horror film. It wasn't a horror. It was like a suspense drama kind of thriller. We're talking about The Descent yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, so, give us a give us a lowdown. Give us the... Okay, the lowdown on The about. Descent. You have the main girl. She's a bit of a thrill seeker with a group of friends. Movie starts out, her husband and child pass away in a horrific accident. Okay, come back a year later. Her friends are trying to break her out of her funk by taking her on a new thrill ride, which is exploring caves, spelunking. And they meet up at a cabin. They start off on their trip. A couple of the friends think the trip is a bit mild, so they kind of swap things around and have them explore a previously unexplored set of caves. They get down in there. They go down a passage, kind of get stranded, come to find out they're not in there alone. There's sort of some humanoid species. Golem. There's golems. golems. They're all golems. Smeagles. Smeagles. Uh, the Gollum race down in there, just sort of working like echolocation and stuff, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. If you ever watch Chuds, it's pretty decent. Yeah, and it's them trying to make it through the caves. And it's got claustrophobic aspects. It's got the darkness. It's got the jump scares. It's got the monsters. It has it checks so many horror boxes that there's no way it's not a scary movie to like the regular person. I don't know why you guys. Unless you guys are just like completely steel faced, have no 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 fears in the world. I don't know how this movie didn't mess. I'm definitely I'm definitely on the defensive in this episode. I get it. You guys chose like very popular. <laughs> you guys are just laughing. We picked good, pick good movies. <laughs> you picked Oscar bait. I get it. But was it a horror film of the 21st century? Absolutely. Did it scare the crap out of me? Yes. Gave my wife a nightmare, which she then got mad at me about. So it checks all the boxes of a horror movie, and. I really hope some of the listeners take time to watch it, see it for what it is. Just a good classic scary movie. I watched it and I'm glad that I did. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a requirement for our podcast, but I'm glad that I did because I found out that there is a part two there that is. picks up right where this one left off. It does. And now I feel like I have to see part two because <laughs> I want to see if it is better than this one. And I don't know how it couldn't be. Because I felt like this one was terrible, <laughs> straight terrible. Oh, <laughs> but I'm, man. but I'm so, but I'm so curious about the second one. No, I didn't think it was like that, that bad. I, I think it had some real potential in kind of that those those scenes where they're really ramping up the claustrophobia, which were only like a couple of scenes, but those were like the most intense for me. And I think had had they played on kind of that aspect a little more to, to intensify some of the movie and maybe try to make it a little more serious in other spots. It could have, it, w- it would have held a little better for me. I think um, I really, I didn't enjoy the fact when they get towards the end and they really, they drop in that any, any trope that has any movie that is like dominated by women as the cast, they always throw like that trope in of one of them is screwing the other's husband. I- yeah. I feel like they like backed off of that. A little too a little bit you know like it's so the the opening scene i felt like was very intense with her losing her family 
And then it felt like, all right, we're going to get over this crap right now. Like, we're just going to get past this right away. You know, it's kind of what it felt like they were trying to do. And I think if it had kind of lingered on kind of her sense of torment and psychological trauma that she had from that, and they had played up this relationship that seemed apparent between her husband and her friend a little more and created some tension there and maybe stayed away from the golems. I feel like that could have been maybe a more interesting movie to me. Those golems had some really terrible echolocation, by the way. Yeah, there there weren't any steadfast rules on how they operated. That yeah, I agree. With I've got so much to say about this movie. None of it's good, so I'll try to contain it. You trash every movie I pick, and I've won. That's not that's not true. I episodes. like I I love Willy Wonka, and I I didn't trash Get Out or not Get Out. I didn't trash Stand by Me. That's a great movie. I have disliked two movies this whole podcast. They have both been picked by you. That is true. <laughs> Are we guessing what Blade and? And no, this. no. Uh, what was the what was week two? Oh, uh, Willow. Yeah, I hate Willow. It's bad, <laughs> and this movie is bad. So I just oh my god, I don't know where to start. First of all, this is not in the Library of Congress. I just googled it. Neither is Hereditary, <laughs> but Get Out is. Yeah, I just want to throw yeah. that out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me and Jason might have chosen the first two movies not in that registry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think Hedwig was. I can yeah. check, but I won't right now. Yeah, this movie is just early 2000s to a T. It's just filled with like bad film tropes. Like they're all women. They're all irrational. They're all highly emotional. They don't know what to do under pressure. They all break. You have like one kind of strong willed woman that's going to lead them out. And of course, she's like Hispanic. She's that like Vasquez from Aliens, you know, like that Hispanic badass. Like, I don't understand why she plays a big part in number two. Oh, me and Jason were talking about that. We were like, I don't know what number two is about, but it has to be about her since they left her in the cave. But (sighs) this movie is just like shits on women. These characters are horrible. It's like, I thought I was watching the Spice Girls go cave. Like, (laughs) I was like, surely these women know as much about caving as they do about anything else in life. Because they don't know anything about caving. Like, they leave their map behind. They're going like, on an extreme cave dive first time like a place none of them have ever been i'm fairly certain that we could do caving as well as they did like they all died and it wasn't even just they died because of the golems like they just did stupid shit and they tried to murder each other oh it's it's a it was a frustrating movie to watch i kept yelling at the tv i'm like why why like the the end that was so so stupid like yeah, I get it. She slept with your husband, but you're going to murder her or attempt to murder her, leave her in the cave to be devoured by Smeagol, Morlock, Gullum, Orc <laughs> things? Like, I don't understand that at all. She's the one woman that can corroborate your story because nobody's going to believe this shit. That's a big plot point of number two. Oh, is it? <laughs> Great. Like, number, uh, number two stars the main girl and then uh, Juno, the, uh, the Latino one. Yeah, I am... Um, you, ta- you talked about like how there's a lot of claust- claustrophobia. There's not. There's like the beginning scene where she like kind of gets stuck in that shaft. And that was, was kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't like that. But after that, like the claustrophobia is gone. They're in, they might, are they in Moria? Are they in the mines of Moria from Moria? <laughs> because everything's like giant, <laughs> open. Like, where are these caves? There's hundreds of little dudes or fully adult dudes running around in like skin tight suits. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I, 
it was not a scary movie. It was a frustrating movie. It was very frustrating. I, I'm not trying to shit on this movie. I feel oh, no. bad. You're I feel bad. It's just, it was very predictable. Like you could tell what was going to happen. It just didn't have the scares for me. And honestly, I don't understand why they lit every scene in the cave. Like every scene was like drenched in like neon green. Like yeah, they had an infinite light. supply of glow sticks and flames. yeah. But this, which normally uh, it would be good because you want to see what's going on, but this movie really could have benefited from not knowing what was going on. Like the fact that they like fully revealed the cave creatures just like from the first frame. Like if they had kept them out of sight and you not know what it is, and if you're like, is it a monster? Is it like serial killer? Like if they had done that, it would have been so much scarier. Like less is more. It's yeah, like it's... the number one horror rule: less is more. Yeah, I agree there. The makeup, the skin suits just did not look good. I I agree with that. I think leaving more of that to the imagination, but also creating like more of like a sense of confusion paired with, you know, some intense claustrophobia would have would have made it a lot better in terms of like the the scare factor or the thrill factor for me. Yeah. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest, I think they did such a bad job of introducing the characters at the beginning and giving them any kind of like personality outside of one notes that once the movie started and people started dying and stuff in the cave, I had no idea who was alive and who was dead. I was just like, Okay, here's a girl that's alive. Like I don't know how many there are. I don't know. I know the one the Hispanic badass and the main character. Everybody else was just along for the <laughs> ride to die, I guess. I don't I don't know. It was like a really bad 80s horror movie without any of the bad 80s horror charm. I feel bad now. I feel like I hurt Ish's feelings. Feel I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I'm trying to, like, I, I'm actively trying to think of something good to say no, about it, but I can't. We're going to have the it. films that, like, resonate more with us as individuals rather than. Yeah. The I feel like this has had to be done on, like, Rift Tracks or Mystery Science Theater, right? I don't think they do really good films on those shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you like about it ish what makes it your favorite horror movie because i haven't heard that yet no i don't is this just it's your favorite because it's the last movie. one that you've seen it's not my favorite horror movie by any means it's just i felt it was i guess the horror movie that stuck with me the strongest possibly because it's the last one i saw in theaters it's, it's kind of when i hit the vibe like hey it's 2005 i'm 20 years old i don't have to Go yeah. see scary movies with my friends that see them all the time. I can just choose not to not, not to watch something. Was it now that you've watched it as a fully grown adult in your own home? Was it less scary than you remember it? I, I overall less scary, yes. But does yeah. that mean not scary? No. Uh, like sitting on the on the couch with my wife, the jump scares were there. It's the thing about horror movies when they do like the slow camera pans and something is behind someone just totally just rocks me. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and the little things where. Like the character like will peek off into the into the distance and then you'll see like a camera pan and then something's there and it pans back and it's not there. It's just even older scary movies, all the twitchiness and the weird stuff is what scares me. So I guess this movie just struck a chord. Like I said, I don't I know it's not a great movie, but I think it's a scary movie. I chose it. All right. Well, we've got a clip. Um, let me get to it and pull it up. And you want to go ahead and explain a little bit? Yep. This is just that initial clip when the girls kind of realize they've hit that point where I guess between being the isolation and being lost and not knowing what to do, a couple of the girls sort of just hit their limit and start to freak out a bit and start screaming because they, they think they hear something or have seen something down there. They just kind of the last resort of yelling for help. All right, here we go. Dead animals. Hundreds of them. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? 
don't know. What do you mean you don't know? There's no breeze. It could be any one of these tunnels. Take your picture. Who's gonna be down there? That's just it. Like, reasonably, no. there's no reason to think anybody's going to be down there that's willing to help or going to help. You, you panic. anybody. You act like like if we were stuck in a cave, we'd be cool <laughs> as cucumbers and knowing what to do and where to go. Sometimes when you get stuck in those sticky situations, it's just like at the last resort, you kind of just freak out. I think that's what they were doing. <laughs> Let's go on to the next movie. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to talk about the descent anymore? Jason, closing, closing thoughts on the descent? I mean, I'd never be in that position. I, I wouldn't go into a cave like that to begin with. Yeah, no <laughs> no real closing thoughts other than, I, I will say this, I, I like the premise of a getting lost in a cave type of exploration movie going sideways. I didn't like a lot about that movie though, period. That's the end of it for me. You said it so much find, more politely I did, than James. I, I didn't find it. I didn't <laughs> find it scary at all. No, like that there were like two intense parts and it was like the opening scene and just because of the psychological trauma of you know that type of car accident and the first scene where the or this first scene where she's getting trapped in the um or the first sequence of cave exploration where she's getting kind of wedged in and can't move forward or backward on her own in the second like <clears throat> how many descents are there how many times are there i have no idea i've seen number two that's it um how do these creatures reproduce? They don't have any dicks. <laughs> I'm not sure. You see, you see the mother and the baby in the yeah. one room. Yeah, you don't know that. I mean, they might yeah. have like a flap or something like that. Like a flap, dick <laughs> yeah. flap, a humanoid uh, golem, uh, smeagolish flap. Yeah, it looks. They look like kindles, like really pale kindles. It could just be the goo that's like seeping off of them a little bit. Maybe. Oh, you think they secrete? They secrete semen. They're covered in their own semen at all times. Semen, semen slime. Yeah. You think that's what they were trying to do? They're just trying. Jason just said semen fifteen times in a row before. He just porky pig semen. Nice. All right. Well, let's talk about my movie. I'm sorry. I should. No, go right ahead. No, no, it's all right. I feel bad. I didn't mean to shit it. I not feel bad at all. Um, <laughs> I picked uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele, a modern horror masterpiece, 2017. It's a. It's hard to talk about this movie because it is so lauded in a praise, you know, um, a praise that it's hard to say what hasn't been said about it. But I'll tell you what it's about. It's about a couple that go home to, they're in upstate New York. Is that right? Yeah, they, they're in the city and they, they go upstate. Yeah, they go upstate New York and for a, a getaway for the weekend. And the main character is going to meet his girlfriend's family for the first time. And the catch is, is he's he's black and she's white and her family's white. And they're kind of like rich, old white people. They're very well off. And he gets in the car and they start going there. And he's kind of like, you've told them I'm black, right? And she's like, no, I, I haven't you know i haven't brought that up so that's like sets up the the tense beginning of the movie you know you're kind of like well how's this going to work out and when they get there you find out through a series of different scenes that they are actually stealing 
African-American people's bodies and implanting the brains and minds of older dying white people into it. It's like a body snatchers type thing. And, it, you know, the movie is definitely a play on cultural and racial appropriation. And um, it's just really well done doing it that way in a, in a horror light. I think Jordan Peele, he wrote and directed it. Um, I, I think it's a flawless movie. I have no problem saying that. I think it's a flawless movie. It probably wins this episode if I had to guess. I, I won't. Um, what'd you guys think about it? You, this is your both first time watching this movie, correct? It was, yes. It was, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Uh, it's a, an extremely well crafted film. Definitely more, I think, of a social, you know, kind of commentary. Uh, it's an it's it's existential horror. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's. I feel like there there is a lot of camp in it. You know, there, there's, I, you know, I think the whole like brain surgery, brain swapping and, you know, that kind of stuff in there. There's there's a lot of like campy horror elements that, you know, start to get used once you realize what's happening in the movie. It's it I, I felt like it was very predictable uh, as much as I liked how well it was crafted and the messages that were that were in the movie in terms of today's, you know, society and and kind of the, the critiques that were there in terms of um, race relations. I thought that was great, but felt like I could see exactly where it was going from like, you know, the, the very beginning. But at the same time, I don't feel like it really missed any beats or anything like that. I will say that I feel like maybe, I don't know if you saw the alternate ending. Mm-hmm. Not. Um, so there's an alternate ending for it that i don't know what i streamed it on but it gives it gave you the alternate ending immediately after the um Mm -hmm. the original ending and the alternate ending was a little more powerful in that he just straight up goes to jail and like nobody believes him basically he murdered uh, the family yeah yeah he goes to jail and he's doing the time for it and like is kind of okay with that because he got out of there it seems like but but it's really it's really i think true to our society you know in terms of what what's going on right now with you know police relations and that sort of thing and you know um who gets the benefit of the doubt you know Um, yeah i i can see that ending as being is being good i i like the ending because i think it's empowering towards the the main character you know he he's not an idiot his friend's not an idiot his friend you know saves him at the end yeah and i, I like it that was very empowering it I, wasn't like a helpless like black person situation you know what i mean right but i, I but I, I see the power of the other ending where the other ending is more of a critique on the justice system and how we yeah. how we treat black people as a society right. but i can and but i, I can see why they went with the other ending though yeah i can i can see that as well and i did like the the original theatrical ending uh, but just kind of weighing the two in terms of like, oh, what do I feel was the more you know powerful ending than than I probably would have went with the uh, the alt uh, cut. But overall, good movie. It didn't resonate with me on a real like horror level. Like I I enjoyed watching it, but it the whole thing felt a little campy to me. But it felt intentional, you know, where it was. So I, I think for for me, the horror comes from. I think if you go into this movie and you don't even know that it's a horror movie, the tension is palpable, like right from the get go, right when he's in the car 
um, talking to his girlfriend. You can tell that he's kind of worried about what's going to happen with her family and stuff. And I think the it, the movie's uncomfortable, right? Because he he's sure. dancing around this this race re- relation issue. And he doesn't know how her family is going to react. And every scene, I think, just builds tension and tension. And you don't know. Like, I, I saw the movie blind, so I didn't know that it was like yeah. brain brain swapping. I'm like, you know, I could kind of tell. I was like, okay, so, you know, something's going on here. Um, I was like, are they just like mind swapping through um, some kind of like hypnosis thing? Are they actually, you know, I didn't realize that they're actually like implanting their brain and stuff. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it as predictable. I was like, something's happening. Something's, especially, you know, when everything goes to shit and he like tries to escape the first, you know, the first time. And I, I thought it was very intense. Well, I think you have to look at it from the situation of a lone solitary black person out of their elements surrounded by every privilege a white person has. And I think it becomes a much scarier movie because we, we, you know, I hesitate to talk too much about it because we've never been really in that situation, but I think it's, it's more of a mental horror for him. Like that's just his everyday life. Like you could take out the actual like brain swapping at the end, the whole, like the way in which he has to, you know act with society like the cop that pulled them over and stuff yeah and want want to see his idea and stuff like you know you could consider how he's treated as a horror movie just by regular society yeah i i agree that his having to navigate the situation was the most intense part of the movie i just think the the horror elements that they that was injected into the movie in terms of the um taking over of these other black characters and placing these minds or or brains or whatever the case may be in their bodies like that that was like the the campy element for me i feel like you know the the rest of the movie the serious tone and how relatable it is in terms of you know knowing secondhand of course that these are situations that people of color have to deal with uh you know in a in a normal day you know those that aspect I, i do feel like was pretty pretty intense and probably the best part of the movie for me mm-hmm. this is the the one movie that we've watched or had in the show that i really wish i i had seen when it like in theaters initially when it came out because of course yeah. through osmosis all of us kind of knew what happens uh, i did i had you no idea really like, I, I knew yeah I, I had no idea like i knew that everybody loved it but i hadn't heard anything about it um in terms of like the plot or anything like that i knew it was a jordan peele movie i knew everybody's like really high on Jordan Peele. I haven't seen the other movie that he's done either. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how, but I just, I, I had gleaned, I guess it's been out four years now. So I kind of had yeah. an inkling of what was going on. And I think it was a really good horror film up until you find out that it is a practical swapping of, I, I liked it more when it was the whole tense hypnosis, maybe leading towards a little bit of a spiritual or, or, or mystical, I guess, aspect of how they were doing it. And yeah. then the cringe I thought was a really good part of the horror movie, uh, of the scary part is when he's at that initial party uh, when he's meeting all the bidders and stuff. That cringe is just so palpable. Like I couldn't even imagine mm-hmm. being in his situation. Like James said, just his existence in itself in a situation like that is absolutely horrifying. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Uh, <laughs> I, I just it did get campy. Like I said, when you find out that it is a physical taking of pieces of the brain and implanting and stuff like that. That just seemed kind of weird. Yeah. I, uh, I like the physical taking of the brain because it's an irreversible thing. 
So if it was just a hypnosis thing, then those other the other black characters that you saw, like that can be reversed, right? But now that you realize that it's this like esoteric, ancient, like brain surgery thing that that's been passed down for hundreds of years, um, like that's just th- those people are gone. Like they're going to live trapped in those bodies for the rest of their existence. Like that's that's pretty horrifying to me. Yeah, that's you get a real sense of that at the end when the grandpa gets flashed. Shoots and, him. Yeah, shoots yeah, himself. So, Jeez, that oh, that scene. Yeah, is, it's so visceral at the end there. It's it's pretty great. Again, I like when I, the the guy at the party when he like attacks him and he's like, "Get out, get out!" And you realize that he's not telling that guy to get out to us and having him escape. He's telling the person that's in his mind to, to get, get out. out yeah. Mind. yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, it was it was cool to see that guy from. Uh, have you guys watched Atlanta at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really good show. And that Dre guy, that Dre guy was from. And uh, the guy that plays the brother is is fantastic in this movie. Yeah, he, dude, he was. I thought he was McCulkin for. <laughs> uh, it could have been McCulkin. You could you could have said yeah. a Culkin there. And it, yeah, it or Culkin. Sorry, Macaulay Culkin. Um, yeah. <laughs> he did a great job of being just a really creepy, unsettling dude. Just talking about MMA and stuff and trying to put him in headlocks. It really, really. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue to my clip if we want to go ahead and yeah. play it real quick and then we can talk about it. Um, so my, the clip that I brought for us is in the movie, um, they have a dinner with um, the main character, has a dinner with his uh, girlfriend's parents, and he's kind of meeting him for the first time. It's the first time he meets his girlfriend's brother. Roll the clip. Roll <laughs> it. So, Chris, what's your sport? Football? Baseball? Basketball, mostly. I guess. You an MMA fan? Dude. Dude, what? What? Hey, Jeremy, why don't we uh, let someone else have the floor for a second? You're dating my sister, right? He's dating my sister. You had your chance. I can't get to know the guy. You mean like UFC? Yes. Yeah, nah, too brutal for me. <laughs> you ever get in a string fight as a kid? I did judo after school, first grade. Aw. You should have seen me. Judo? <laughs> With your frame and your genetic makeup, if you really pushed your body, and I mean really trained, you know, no pussy footing around, you'd be a fucking beast. Carrot cake. Ooh. Hi. <laughs> Carrot cake. What did I miss? <laughs> mm. Oh, a whole bunch of nothing. <laughs> talking about sports. Hey. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. So the thing about jujitsu is. Strength doesn't matter, right? It's all about this. It's a strategic game, like chess. It's all about being two, three, four moves ahead. Cool. Just stand, stand, stand up. Jeremy, uh, no karate at the dinner table. It's not karate, mom. Yo, I got a rule. No, 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 play fighting with drunk dudes. I don't play. I'm just gonna... Jeremy. I wasn't gonna hurt him. That scene, you can tell uh, how fucking tense this movie is. I think the mom is the scariest motherfucker in the movie, man. Right. Um, yeah. But you can see like how that's the first point in the movie. Well, maybe not the first point, but the first overt point where you can start to see like their racism start to come out, right? Just little mm-hmm. things that her brother's saying, you know, your genetic makeup and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. and when you're watching this movie for the first time, you're like, you're just uncomfortable watching it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think you get, there's also like a hint of jealousy in that racism there yeah, uh, yeah. because because of his genetic makeup or what his physique might possibly be if he trained for, you know, whatever this, you know, style of fighting is that he's talking about or whatever. And I feel like that also comes across and is kind of a, a bit of a commentary on um, like cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are literally appropriating their their bodies in this movie, though, you know, yep. right. So that's I feel like that critique is definitely in there. And regarding that scene, I think he, you know, this the racism surfacing, I feel like he did. He wanted to hurt him. Oh, yeah. Um, I... Because and, and he's right. That son is the guy in the opening scene of the movie. Right. That like chokes the guy out yeah. you know, yeah. in the car. So that's him. That's his thing. Right. 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 Um, well, that... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, just to say, it, I, 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 I think that scene is beautiful on a couple of levels because it's doing a couple of things, right? You get the first taste of like their overt racism, and then you get to see how he reacts to that racism, and he plays it cool as a cucumber, right? You know, you can see him starting to get uncomfortable, but you know, he he does it well. Like, I think that not only was he being racist, but he was out also testing his limits. So. He wanted to know a couple of things. He wanted to know if he was going to get hot-headed, if he could provoke him. And he also wanted to know, you know, did you get in street fights when you're younger? Do you know karate and stuff? Because he knew that he might have to have a physical altercation, right? When they Yeah, he's feeling him out. Seeing what yeah, because they're going to have to take him down if they can't drug him or whatever. So he's feeling him out. I just thought it was a great scene. Yeah. It was layered. It was well put together. Uh, I think Jordan Peele's a master. Um, we can talk just a little... Well, yeah, I mean, he is a master. I'm not saying Ari Aster's not a master, too. I have good things to say about Hereditary Jason. But um, have you guys seen Us, the second Jordan Peele? I haven't. I haven't. I have not. But then again, I kind of know what happens because, like I said, it's such a popular film. You kind of just hear about it. I had not seen Us until I watched Get Out again last weekend. And I was like, I'm just going to watch Us after it because it was, you know, why not? And uh, it's really good. Um, I, I think Get Out's better film but uh us is a better horror movie it's more overt horror it's um but it, it's really good i highly recommend you guys watch it if you liked get out watch it it has definitely a, will it has a twisty a twisty ending that i didn't see coming um do you guys got any other good things to say about get out <laughs> only only positive. It, it was a it was a really good movie now do i think it embodies horror like maybe my film did it's a good movie all right Not yeah M- moving on and uh <laughs> it sticks with your track record of uh in order to get the whole feel of the movie you got to watch multiple endings. Oh. yeah it seems to be a thing you got going for you i guess i've never seen the alternate ending so i f- but i felt like i got the whole jason let's talk about hereditary man all right uh hereditary spoiler free talk jason what's that spoiler free like you said yeah that, you, can't, you can't do that <laughs> it's uh ari aster film his first film uh from 2018 i think it's classified as like a supernatural horror probably i feel like it's more of a horror slash psychological thriller i think is is what i would label it as myself it follows the story of annie graham who's played by uh tony collette uh speaking of which starring tony collette alex wolf millie shapiro Anne Dowd and Gabriel Byrne, amongst others. So it follows the story of uh, Annie Graham and her family who have just lost Annie's mother. None of them have a great relationship 
with her mother. Um, she's been out of their in and out of their lives, kind of on and off, and has some mental issues, or so they think. And and there's kind of this thing about there's some psychological, um, maybe genetic, you know, issues in the family where multiple family members have had, you know, some some kind of mental uh, health issues. And you kind of start the film dealing with with those things and the turmoil within the family. And quickly you find out that this is not just a movie about this family dealing with their internal struggles, but also with uh, a conspiracy against them. That's um, this this cult that that is out to uh, put the soul of one of the eight kings of hell into the body of their son. And uh, you find out early on that this soul has already been placed in the body of their daughter, Charlie, unbeknownst to them. You know, they, they know nothing about this. But the grandmother, uh, Ellen, uh, is a member of this cult. And this soul or this, this demon, I'm not really sure how you want to classify Paimon, which is the, the, the king of mischief, I suppose, in hell. And he, he's been in her body the whole time since she was born. And it's kind of the story about this family that just doesn't have a chance to, to overcome this. Uh, at every obstacle, you know, they're, they're defeated by this um, entity and this cult um, that, that's trying to, you know, take their family down and um, bring, their, bring their king into this this body that he covets, which is a male body. He's unhappy with uh, being in the body of a female. And that's kind of the gist of the story. But there are so many uh, just, I think, tragic moments that happen throughout the story um, that are, are really um, just psychological, you know, damaging moments that that's what, what makes this just kind of a, it's a horror film, but it's also just brutally psychologically traumatizing i think um because there are children involved and you know the family aspect of it i think that's what really you know hits for anybody that has a kid or anything like that you know that can relate to it on that level the daughter um is killed in a pretty gruesome way early on in the movie she's decapitated in a a car ride with the older brother peter which you know this is all kind of crafted by this cult and kind of using these rituals um, to kind of in, invoke uh, Paimon to, to do these things, you know? So it's, it, I think that the most interesting thing of the movie for me is to, to go into it, seeing that, oh, there's this kind of messed up family. They're having these problems. I think this movie is going to be about mental health. And then you kind of slowly transform into Oh, this is a movie about Satanists and demonic possession and you know all that. And it's 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 a weird transformation, but it's done in such a slick way. I think the production value, all of the acting is just top-notch. And um, it's just, I think it's just a really, really great horror movie. It's it really hits all the checks all the boxes for me. And um, it's kind of what I'm looking for in terms of when I want to see a horror movie. And, you know, I, I, I want that kind of rush of like feeling a little unsettled 
and uh, a little terrified after I've seen it and I don't sleep well, you know, I think that's the, that's the high that I chase uh, in the horror movie genre. And it, it really did that for me, James. I like to read it. I like to read it, Terry. It's the first time I've ever seen the movie and I was very pleasantly surprised. I think it was beautifully shot. Um, I think the cinematographer for the, this film uh, hit it out of the park. I thought that the, you know, the cultists and the Satan stuff, I thought that it was a pretty smart decision to keep that on the back burner for, for most of the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I felt like that stuff could get a little cheesy. And I felt like they did a really good job. It's definitely, this movie is, I would say, a masterclass in like show less, less is more. Because um, mm-hmm. that stuff, they don't go out of the way to explain a lot of stuff in this movie. And they, you know, they they keep the cult stuff weird and I, I think it works really, really well. Like if they just come out and be like, there's a cult and they're done a, you know, summon a demon that, you know, it could have been very Buffy, the vampire slayer very quick. And I think they did a really good job. I didn't the first time, like I said, this first time I had watched the movie and I didn't, I didn't pick up on the demon possession thing until halfway into the movie. I was like, Oh, so that's what's going on. Yeah. Right. There, there's hints. There's hints. You see her like with her grandmother's books and stuff. And you're like, yeah. well, what's going on? I thought that I thought the miniature making aspect was going to come into play in the movie. And it never really did, <laughs> which was kind of weird. It's, it's, and this isn't me putting down the movie. Like it's not a negative thing. It was just, um, I, I'm wondering if I missed something. I, I, I went and read some stuff after the movie and, I guess he Ari Aster's never said anything directly about it, but people are like, maybe um, you know, the miniature, her working on the miniatures is like showing you how, you know, how they don't have con- like people don't have control over their own lives and there's forces on the outside that are sh- crafting our world for us. And I'm like, oh, that, that might be a stretch. Okay, I guess yeah. I'll take that. I don't know. Well, I I um I I think a lot of that in terms of the way the movie was shot was a way to convey uh, some of her past and some of the relationship with her mother, because mm-hmm. there are these scenes that she's depicted in miniature. Um, she's, she's a, an artist that's working on um, like this upcoming gallery show, you know, when you, right, when, you, yeah. when you first dive into the movie. Right. And so there are a lot of these shots, you see these kind of miniatures that are creating a scene that are, you know, things that have happened to her in her past. And she, Mm -hmm. she really recreates a lot of these like traumatizing moments as well. Uh, As you see where she's working on a miniature of uh, Charlie's head in the middle of the road, like almost almost immediately after this accident. Um, So maybe it's, you know, for her a way to work through these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. An outlet. And, yeah, and I understand yeah. that they they just um they go into such detail and showing the models and stuff. I yeah. felt like there was going to be more to it, but yeah, I, I understand that it's her working through a trauma and through her art and stuff. But they actually show the art so prominently in the film. I didn't know if there right. was going to be a different if that was like going to be part of the ritual or something. Yeah, but, I think uh, another another tie-in with that though is um so Paimon when he is in the body of Charlie, their daughter, and Charlie is constantly making these little figures right Mm -hmm. she's making these these little toys that she makes out of things that she finds little found object things and i felt like they were conveying like this is a learned hobby from her mother right Mm -hmm. making these kind of miniatures and things like that but they're all with these sort of you know like the scene with the bird where she cuts off the bird's head 
and puts it on one, you kind of find out. And if, if you go outside of the movie and read about um, this, this king of hell in any other books or literature, I think something to do with that, or part of the ritual rather, to call him into this other body or, or whatever, um, has to do with decapitation. And so that's kind of prominent in these little figures that he's making while he's in the body of Charlie with these like yeah. decapitated heads that he's got to be three, top. not two. Yeah, he's gotta, like, I right, will not come down right, there for right. two and, headless bodies, but you give right. me three headless bodies. <laughs> yeah. I'm and there. that's, and I feel like that's another, you know, the name of the, he's film got standards, the, the, the title of the film uh, being hereditary. Like it, I thought really interesting to, try to dissect whether is this because um, of the, the mental issues within this family, right? That they're mm-hmm. tied to uh, Annie's mother and herself. And Charlie seemed to be, you know, like she was, you know, maybe had some kind of like mental struggles or mental, mental health yeah. issues before I, you know that she's been possessed this whole time. Yeah. I just um, saw it as a play on her grand her, her mother's legacy that she left. Right. It. And, yeah uh, right it, well but also the need for these three heads as part of this ritual mm-hmm. do they have to be related you know mm-hmm. is this this is the grandmother the daughter, the granddaughter. Um, and the granddaughter mm-hmm. these these three heads that that uh kind of culminate in the end and you know result in uh paimon taking over uh the body of peter so there was there was just so much of that that i think upon a second viewing which I, I did, I've watched it multiple times at this point to kind of pick out all the little symbolism, you know, features that are in there. It was so real, well crafted in that way and kind of tying these pieces together throughout the movie beforehand, but maybe you don't see them, right? But if you did see them, all of these things start to make a lot more sense, like at the end. And I felt like it was really interesting in the way that it was crafted, you know, to use so much symbolism uh, throughout the movie yeah i uh i really did like the movie overall it was pretty great especially towards the end when tony colette goes full-on scare mode it was pretty great pretty terrifying it felt like yeah. it was ramping to something the whole movie and then i don't know the the actual ending itself with the reveal of the cult and all that stuff it was i don't know it was very like ram like ramshackle if you ask me it just seemed very i would very frantic at the end rather yeah. than i was gonna bring this up ish my um my like the only thing that I can, my legitimate like criticism of the movie is I felt like you're saying that the end where, you know, all of a sudden she's like Spider-Man and like people yeah. are like spontaneously combusting and stuff. It felt like a different ending to a different movie almost in a way that in the original like screenplay, perhaps it was less horror and then maybe for the studio to pick this up or get it in theaters or like we need some like straight horror stuff at the end i think the movie would have been better served without the like jump scare spider woman stuff at the end um but that's i mean that's a small nitpick but i felt like it took away from the intense like psychological shit that was going on to the movie when it it just became like a physical jump scare movie yeah the big the big catalyst was when gabriel byrne was killed and I mean, in general, I don't think he was super necessary in the entire movie. And so it did, it, it just, it switched direction when that happened. And you yeah. see the little glint, the little Paimon shining glint kind of go into the mom. And that's when she gets all crazy. 
But then again, that's what scares me when you see her like in the corner of his bedroom when he wakes up and you see her in the corner of the living room. And now not so much the whole banging in the head, which was, I don't know, it, it was pretty crazy to see that happening. And then the whole decapitation, self-decapitation thing was a bit, I don't know, gory for my taste. But I guess that was part of the ritual. And, it really uh, reminded me, what was the is paranormal activity? It kind of got all paranormal activity. Seeing. I, I never think, saw any of those. I, I think that the, the culminating of, of all of that it made a lot of sense for me because it was a result of this cult kind of preparing this family for, for mm-hmm. this event that was going to take place and sort of wearing them down and kind of seasoning them uh, to be susceptible to these paranormal events, like that, not necessarily a paranormal event, but Paimon's control. Mm-hmm. And so as it progressed and they become more and more kind of worn down as a family and Annie is opened up to this, uh, this like seance and all this other stuff. And so she's invited Paimon kind of, kind of in at this point. Right. And so that is really when all the, the supernatural bits, um, you know, levitating on the wall and that sort of thing really starts to take over. And it's, I think that it is just Paimon gaining more control over the family and over the body. And there's, just becomes more and more of that as he's more and more in control. I liked the speed of the ramp at the end and how kind of the pace sort of changed and it, it you know, it, it becomes a lot more like getting hit with a club rather than, you know, subtle psychological, you know, yeah, I just felt the, happenings. The whole movie is so grounded in reality that I, that's what I liked the most about it. It was yeah. how like gritty and real it was. And then it kind of got into like, magic devil land at the end but i read an interesting thing with ari aster where um talking about like paimon having more control at the end and stuff about how um i guess in maybe in his mind paimon didn't want to be summoned and didn't really want to be there and at the end is just really confused as to what the fuck's going on and i thought that was really interesting take on it like the his like confused look and stuff in the at the end is like he did had no desire to be summoned or knows what century just basically just like bewildered and befuddled to be there sure but i thought was interesting he's he's been there all that time in charlie's body right so is that um is that what it is or is it kind of well, I got the impression draining that, is it draining for him to jump from one body yeah. to the other and then has to like readjust or what? I, I got the impression that he was in Charlie's body but was not Charlie because it was not his preferred form. So maybe she was just like a holding vessel, but he wasn't like conscious inside of her. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. that little girl wasn't acting like a king of hell. She was eating chocolate cake with peanuts and shit. In yeah. it. And yeah. so I, I got I got the impression that she was. They brought Paimon and kind of like stored him inside of her and he was just kind of dormant. And then he wakes up inside his like preferred, you know, they've done the, yeah. all the whole ritual and stuff. And, you know, he's fully brought forth. He's he was gestating inside the girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that may that may be. I think he was certainly there on a subconscious level, though. I think the the cake and the chocolate was sort of presenting this gluttony of this king of hell. Right. And then the um obsession with you know cut decapitating animals and yeah. sticking them on things there, there were there were aspects that were clearly there yeah she was um, a 13 year old kid making nightmare fuel like in her bedroom yeah, right yeah, definitely influenced but i think he was like you know he wasn't in control i i think i thought the chocolate cake part was actually 
very endearing because it showed that she was just a normal girl, really. That she wanted to go to a party and eat cake and stuff. I thought that was a yeah, dude. Our, our jaws hit the ground with that whole cake drive home, him laying down to go to bed scene. Like, yeah, I certainly did not expect her to die. So I expect her to die. I didn't expect her to die yeah. so early in the film. I'm like, oh, yeah. is she already dead? <laughs> that that sequence, I think, is probably the most impactful sequence in the movie, and it's not necessarily just her sudden decapitation. It is Peter continuing to drive home. Yeah, parking the car, going in going to bed because he's so traumatized and then and then annie waking up finding her and you have this guttural visceral sort of screaming sequence that she can't handle and just wants to die and uh that's that's a pretty a pretty brutal part of the movie i've got a question that i don't remember if it brought it up but why didn't he or anyone else at the party call 911 because they're dumb kids they're drinking dumb, underage dumb, dumb kids they're underage they i guess that wanna, makes sense they're they drinking at a party yeah. yeah i figured he might have like drove her next door called 911 or something but yeah okay just him being a dumb kid i, I get it i guess but yeah i, I like the movie it's beautiful i recommend hopefully that you if you hadn't seen it and you kept listening that you'll go you'll see it now but yeah it's definitely worth watching absolutely is a beautiful movie. I have not watched Midsummer yet, but I'll probably watch it this weekend. I want to see if it's if it's better. Not that Hereditary is bad, but I want to. I was expecting Hereditary the way it was presented to me to like really fuck me up and like be a mind fuck, but it was not that kind of movie. I didn't think it was Midsummer just kind of is straightforward. Fantastic. I know a lot a lot of people like it even more than Hereditary. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was equally well crafted you get a lot of the same kind of vibes in terms of uh, this sort of ritualistic kind of horror aspect, you know, and the, the cultiness, there's a lot more drug use and psychedelic aspects of that movie. Uh, it's a lot more colorful. It's definitely some gorier scenes than in, in hereditary. I'm thinking I that might that might sound like like really like because there are a couple of just really gory things that happen in this film, but um, I feel like there's there's more that happen. In that. I think we do a follow up episode: Descent to You versus Us versus Midsummer. It could work. Let's do that. <laughs> let's let's do it, Ish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you want to queue up uh, this, uh, this? Yeah. This. So we we got a um, yeah. yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about the clip that you brought forth. This, uh, so this clip is Annie in sort of a help group where she's talking about, this is like immediately after her mother's death. And um, she's talking about kind of her relationship with, with her mother and uh, how straining that's been over her life. Yeah, it, it um, lends a, a lot to the whole hereditary aspect of all this. It's pretty neat. Yeah, right. My mom died a week ago, so I'm just here for trying it. I have a lot of resistance to things like this, but I, I came to these a couple of years ago. Well, I was forced to come, and I guess it, um, I guess it helped. So um, my mom was old, and she wasn't altogether there at the end. And we were pretty much estranged before that, so it really wasn't a huge blow. But I did love her. And she didn't have an easy life. She had DID, which became extreme at the end, and dementia. And my father died when I was a baby from starvation um, because he had psychotic depression. 
and he starved himself, which I'm sure was just as pleasant as it sounds. And then there's my brother. My older brother had schizophrenia, and when he was 16, he hanged himself in my mother's bedroom, and of course, his suicide note blamed her, accusing her of putting people inside him. So, that was my mom's life. You can see that she so, had a very fucked up family. Yeah, well, so, so the interesting thing about this in the movie is that if you watch the movie till the end, and then you circle back through a lot of these scenes, you sort of find out that maybe none of these people had mental health issues. The mom was just yeah. in a satanic cult and yeah. she was trying to put, uh, you know, demons My mom in, and her, her son. In, yeah, in, in her son. She's just well stuffing as, Satan as, and everything, man. Right. As well as likely her husband. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, she said he died from starvation and had psychological issues. Well, you know, that all of these issues are probably from these uh, rituals that her mother's trying to perform on her uh, children and her husband. Yeah, well, um, you, remember, you remember they said they have to, you have to psych, you have to beat down people's psychological barriers to make them receptive to possession. So I'm sure like right. starving her husband was part of her sure. trying to break him. Right. Um, but you also uh, find this same thing out with uh, Joan, who is her mom's, her mom's BFF Joni, who has yep. the sweet the sweet uh, mat outside of her door, yeah. um, you find out that she has a son and a grandson that have died, mm -hmm. and now you're wondering, well, did they die from the same thing? Is she also trying to stuff demons in her her mm -hmm. children, right, and grandchildren? So, as mental health focused as parts of this movie are, and I feel like they tried, they really tried to put a focus on that with Gabriel Burns character as well, because Steve was like a psychologist or something like mm -hmm. that. Right. So they put this focus on something that turns out was just non-existent. Like none of these people probably had mental health issues or anything like that. They just had uh, a screwed up family member. Yeah. All right. So that's hereditary and, it's a good movie. I liked it. I liked all of these movies except for The Descent. So I guess not all of them. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So hopefully Judge Reinhold uh, will pick the right movie and not uh, force another tie. Because I know it will not be a tie between anything in The Descent. And then Ish will pick Jason's movie. It's, it's well, no. Thing. So let, well, well, let's say we, we, put in, we put an asterisk in the book with... Uh, with Willy Wonka, since I had to be the tiebreaker. No, 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 the tiebreaker. I it's like the tiebreaker. <laughs> I, I felt like you, you, you broke the tie fair, fair and square. I'm just, I'm just joshing you. So, um, next, next week is going to be the final week that we pick for a couple weeks. We're going to let Judge Reinhold take over for a little bit with the picks. So, I wanted to get this in. So, next week is Nicholas Cage match, our favorite Nick Cage movies, and I like this because there's no. I think we've kind of made a little bit of mistake of trying to judge these movies by saying they're they're the best in their categories or whatever. But there's no best Nick Cage. Like, what makes a Nick Cage movie, right? So I, I just picked my favorite Nick Cage movie, which is Wild at Heart. Uh, what are you What are you bringing, Ish? Uh, like you said, when it comes down to choosing like your favorite Nick Cage movie, I, I know in an aspect of the show, I was kind of thinking like, what, what is the best movie that Nick Cage is in more so than Adaptation. what is my favorite nick cage movie uh but i also went uh like you did when i went as far as one of my favorites with nick cage in it and that's going to be the rock with yeah. uh, sean connery yeah how about you jason I, 
I, I may have to be disqualified immediately because I've gone and picked a Nicholas Coppola movie. Oh, yeah. And that, that <laughs> is Valley Girl with Nick Cage before he was Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I recommend everybody watch it. Watch oh, well, it before the yeah. next podcast. Valley Girl's great. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I love Valley Girl. I'll watch it. Um, all right. So cleanup time-ish. We got any social media news? Uh, no. Uh, no emails yet. Uh, at least not any kind of listener mail. I, so, I figured my mom would email us by now. I, I, I thought at least one of our mothers <laughs> would email in. You're doing uh, good, boys. Yeah, downloads are up. Seems to be going good. Show's getting more and more popular. It's pretty great. So, yeah um email us if you like i said send us your thoughts um if you want to be a voting member of judge reinhold let us know what you added and you can pick judge reinhold's brain about who should win so you can email us at moviefightpod at gmail.com on twitter at moviefightpodcast hit us up at one of those two and uh, join the uh, collective and whisper in judge reinhold's ear and see if you can't sway uh, one of the winners one way or the other all right guys uh bye Good night. Good night. See ya.